0: Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Um, I hope you enjoyed that little gallop of of the zebras. I'm sure all of you know that uh, a herd of zebras is called a dazzle. So that was a bit of a dazzle there for us. Um, Just before we start, I would like to just take a little moment to obviously recognize the fact that uh, we are going into a very difficult period in terms of the slowdown in the global economy and uh, we know how much pressure there is um, on ordinary families and uh, businesses are preparing for a pretty hard time. Even though the outlook is as concerning as that, we remain optimistic as a business that we have the strength to face this period and we think there will be opportunities that will be available for us uh, to take advantage of. So that's why we have put up this quote from uh, Winston Churchill. With that said, I'm going to go into the results. Um, We've tried to characterize the results over a three-year period because we've been on a journey of disciplined strategic execution. In March 2019, in fact, February 2019, we presented a set of objectives to the market that we wanted to pursue. So as we emerge out of... uh, Uh, this COVID environment. Clearly, uh, we've had uh, some recovery post the lockdowns, but we've also had a strong commitment by our colleagues uh, to support our clients. And as a consequence, we can see over the last three years or so a strong recovery in performance. Nishlin will talk about the numbers uh, later today in more detail, but I would like to confirm that our business is strong, strategically well-positioned, very clearly positioned, strong balance sheet, strong liquidity. We have an asset quality that you will see as we go through the numbers uh, that is particularly uh, attractive as we go forward. And our clients also have come through COVID uh, particularly strongly. So as we go into the next period, we believe that both from a business perspective as Investec and from a client's perspective, there is an ability uh, to navigate the period that is coming. And by that, I do not mean that... uh, Uh, Our clients will not be affected, nor do I mean that investors will not be affected, but we are as well positioned going into this tough environment as we ever have been. Initially, we'll go through the numbers. Secondly, we would like to give you a sense of how very unique our positioning is in the market. I talked a little earlier about our strategic positioning. We do not serve the mass market like most high street banks do. We have select line bases, and that places us in a position uh, to be quite resilient in times like the ones we are going to. Over the last three years we have shrunk our strategic uh, canvas to two core geographies, the, the UK and uh, South Africa obviously supported by uh, a number of geographies. We also have shrunk our business into specialist banking and uh, Wealth management, and in these businesses, we have a level of specialisation driven by entrepreneurial culture and driven by our absolute commitment to client centricity. So that specialisation has given us the ability over the last year to grow our funds under management by 9.2%, to 68.63.8 billion pounds, and our uh, advances by 13%. As we go forward, that level of specialization uh, will be important because we will stay close to our clients even as times go hard. We do believe that we will have the ability uh, to continue to support them. Thirdly, over the last three years or so, we have demonstrated the ability to generate capital to support our growth ambitions. When we uh, set or or presented three years ago, uh, there was a level of doubt as to whether we would be able to generate uh, the level of capital that would support our growth plans, first and foremost, because we were de-emerging asset management business, uh, now 91, and a lot of people thought that uh, the banks were essentially dependent on the cash flows from the asset management business. I'm really pleased that we've been able to generate significant capital that's allowed us to support growth and importantly also, to pay generous dividends. You will see in these results that we are able to declare 14p, bringing the, the dividend for the year to 25p. And in fact, we also will, uh, will be distributing at the end of this month uh, 15% of 91, bringing uh, into our shareholders the total distribution of, uh, what is it, Nicholins? I like to call it just under 1.7 billion. In rent terms, about 32 uh, billion rent. That is significant capital return uh, to our shareholders. If you look at the trajectory of our returns, I would like to point out specifically that given the level of capital, both in in, uh, uh, the UK and South Africa, you'll see that our capital ratios have gone up, but specifically... In South Africa, we have the level of excess capital. Our capital ratio uh, will have printed at 14%. If we take in uh, ARRB that we are on parallel run with at the moment, that capital ratio gets to 16%. So there is a level of optionality to return some capital to our shareholders over the next two years. So when we look at the returns... Uh, being the last point that um, I want to talk about on this slide, uh, we see that there has been a strong recovery in returns. Each of our businesses is generating returns in excess of the cost of capital. But we have excess capital in the middle that we have to deal with. We have an investment portfolio that we said we wanted to reduce over the last three years. So we see... Both from the momentum of the businesses as we go forward, given the support we give to our clients and our ability to manage capital better, that we will be able to get to our medium term targets in 2024. At the moment, uh, we printed an ROE of 11.4%. Uh, we will hope for an improvement in the coming year, and in 2024, we hope to be uh, well inside. Uh, of that range. You will see that with respect to -to cost-to-income ratio, uh, we are already at 63.3% versus our medium-term target of uh, 63%. So we've made significant progress and we have a level of confidence as we continue to execute with discipline our strategic path. Just looking at the numbers very briefly, we've had uh, a 91% increase in adjusted earnings per share to 55.1p, slightly ahead of guidance uh, that we had provided and we're really pleased that the driver behind these results is revenue growth. Over the last year or two, most banks have had uh, fantastic results, were driven largely uh, out of um, impairment releases. So we've seen 21% growth uh, in revenues. Second, we have had significant cost control, costs are up 6%, but fixed costs uh, were contained to a growth of 1.1%. If you look at our pre-provision operating income, that is up 50%. So this is a a performance-driven-off activity with our clients, not just um, impairments, obviously, uh, we serve a select client base and the asset quality will always be good and uh, not always be good, is, is, is good um, and better than our competitors through the cycle. The next number I would like to highlight, obviously, is the adjusted operating profit at 687.4 uh, million pounds. That is 82% ahead of last year. As I said, driven off revenue growth What is really pleasing for these results is that of that 687.4 million pounds, 300 million pounds of that has been generated by a business in the PLC. You will know that over time there have been some people who doubted the capability of this business to generate substantial growth. Nicholin will report that this business in the UK increased earnings by 138% or so a fantastic performance. That represents, uh, the 300 million represents about 44% of our total adjusted operating profit. The second uh, item I would like to highlight is that of the revenue of just under 2 billion pounds that supports this adjusted operating profit number, just over a billion, just over half, is non-interest revenue. So, both from a geography perspective, uh, PLC limited, and from a uh, source of revenue or kind of revenue, uh, net interest versus uh, non-interest revenue, we see a balanced business model that gives us the ability to go through difficult periods uh, because of that level of diversity. Our cost-income ratio I've spoken about, the jaws are opening, increasing revenues, well-contained cost leading to the crocodile's jaws opening a lot wider. The credit loss ratio at eight bets is obviously at a historical low, and that is a consequence of three things. First, we have seen very low actual impairments in the period. Second, we have seen recoveries in a South African business, and I would like to point thirdly that we have retained significant overlays given as we uh, move substantially out of the lockdowns, as we said, with inflationary pressures uh, on the outlook. Uh, there obviously is uncertainty and downside, so we have had to uh, retain um, the character, uh, a different character of overlay, but significantly we have retained um, our overlays. Our business, as I said, is highly niche. So the asset quality uh, of our client base is really particularly, uh, the quality of our client base is particularly good. Therefore, the asset quality of our books is also good. Getting to return on equity, uh, at 11.4%, we have moved from, uh, increased from uh, 6.6%, so that is a pleasing increase. Look at the return on equity from our UK business at 11.2%. 11.2%. That is a fantastic return. If you look at the return on tangible equity for that business, it is at 12.9%. You may be surprised that the return on equity of the South African business uh, prints at 11.7%. Uh, 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 That's a consequence one of the high level of capital that we had. I talked about a 16% um, a CET1 ratio on ARRB and I said there is a level of capital optionality to deal with a a level of excess capital. Also, the tax rate for the South African business in these numbers is at about 29%. Uh, Obviously, going forward, that tax rate will normalize uh, closer to uh, around the 20s. So, capital management and the strength of our underlying business and the momentum we have gives us the confidence that we can reach the targets that we have set. We've generated significant value for our shareholders as evidenced in this particular reporting period by a double digit growth in net asset value per share to 510 P. On the back of that, as I said, we uh, are pleased to have uh, declared a dividend in the second period of 14 P, taking us to 25 P and a payout ratio of 45% at the upper end of our 30 to 50% Uh, guided payout ratio and I've spoken about the special distribution of 15% uh, of 91 so it's been good times in terms of returns for our shareholders and hopefully uh, and Richard and the team uh, can do a lot more in terms of dealing with the excess capital in the South African business to increase the returns to our shareholders We run the business for the long term Um, while the profit numbers look impressive Our purpose is to create enduring worth for our clients, for our colleagues, for the communities in which we operate, and obviously we want to do so in a manner that protects the environment. So we have ingrained and uh, uh, made sustainability a core element of our business as opposed to a separate uh, consideration, whether it be in the lending that we do or in the investing, in the investing uh, that we do uh, I will not go through uh, the different uh, measurement points that we have on this slide, I am really pleased that we continue to live through to living in society and not of it. Now I'm going to ask Nichlin to go through the numbers i give you a high level view of the results. Nichlin, it's all up to you now
1: Thanks Vani, and good morning to everyone. Uh, It's really a uh, privilege to be up here to present to all of you. I think if I get into the results, um, let's not forget that the context of March 2022 is actually an improving context uh, with a strong recovery from a, a COVID environment in both geographies in which we operated in. I think if we look forward... Um, You know, the South African GDP um, at the end of this period was still about 1.8% behind where it was from a pre-COVID environment and there is still economic pressure overall. Uh, From a UK perspective, I think we've seen an impressive recovery from uh, from a COVID environment over this period. And we understand that there are pressures as we, as we experience and work through the impact of the Ukraine war, as we work through the impact of inflationary pressure, and as we work through uh, the actions that are taken across, uh, across the globe by the various um, regulatory bodies. Again, supportive markets over the period. Now, we did see some pullback at the end of March. Um, so to some extent the funds that we would have reported at the end of December are a little lower But still strongly above uh, Where we were in the prior year and similarly exchange rates have also strengthened uh, over the period. So the contribution from the RAND earnings From South Africa more material in terms of uh, the GBP conversion Global interest rates have been on the up. I think we're all watching the steepness of those curves But I think just a point to note is that particularly in South Africa, we are still not at the 2019 interest rate levels. Um, And we anticipate uh, that the increases in in interest rates anticipated over this next while will get us to those levels, not materially above those levels. From a UK perspective, obviously, we are a bit higher, but again, not not at all time highs. And I think the the key point for us is that from a client perspective, we have operated through cycles which clients have experienced higher interest rates. If I simply unpack the earnings per share over this period, um, again, we have compared to March 19, and the relevance of that period is it's a pre-COVID period. It's a period in which we did not have the drag from the financial product losses that we experienced in March 20 and March 21 as well. But one of the points that I will raise is we operated with an effective tax rate in March '19 of nine and a half percent. That effective tax rate is now effectively normalized towards 22%, albeit different in our geographies, where it's a bit lower in the UK from the normalized rate, and higher in South Africa from a normalized rate. What we've attempted to do on, to do on this chart is also to highlight the contribution from our 25% uh, interest that we hold in '91. And as you are aware, about two thirds of that contribution is being distributed to shareholders. So that is anticipated to rebase as we move into the next financial year. Looking at the underlying contribution, um, you know, an 82% growth in operating profit from 377.6 million quid to 687.4 million quid. Um, And a point to stress is that the pre-provision adjusted operating profit increased by 50.1% in the period to 716.2 million pounds. So, yes, there are low impairment charges in this period. As we've reiterated, some of the balance sheet uh, protection that has built up over the period remains on balance sheet. But there is a very fundamental story around revenue. And, yes, if you look at the UK bank, There's about 87 million pound delta with regard to the financial product losses that we experienced last year against the current year, but the underlying growth of 332 million pounds you'll see has strongly come through in the net interest income line, representing the fundamental growth and focus on client acquisition in in, in that market. But broadly speaking, if we look at the two big areas, the South African and the UK business, strength being reflected within those particular markets that we operate in. And if we look across the businesses, so whether that is the banking businesses or the wealth businesses or the investment portfolio that we hold across the group, all of these have positively contributed um, across this period. And I'll unpack each of those as we go get into the detail just now. But at a high level, our wealth business in the UK uh, has achieved record fund at 41 uh, at 40. 4 billion pounds, Just I've forgotten the number for a second, uh, growing, for, by, uh, growing to f- from 41.7 billion pounds with net inflows of 1.2 billion pounds over the period. We have disclosed that some of that net inflows over the period has arisen from our integrated approach against our private client uh, businesses and about 437 million pounds of the 1.2 billion pounds represents funds under management gathered from that particular portfolio within this period. Just operating profit up by 17.9% to 87.7 million pounds. The wealth business in South Africa achieved overall growth in funds under management of just over 13 billion pounds, of which 12.1 billion pounds was discretionary. So large content coming from that and effectively record levels of uh, new, f- new funds under management gathered in the period, and we'll unpack the reasons, but uh, a strong performance with a 30% increase uh, in operating profit to 720 million pounds. The specialist bank in the UK, I think the core aspect around this is our private client strategies as well as our strategies across the corporate book. Whilst we ha- did have lower M&A activity uh, over the period, you still saw strong growth in underlying revenue underpinned by loan book growth of 17% over the period and the overall loan book growing to £14.4 billion and adjusted operating profits substantially higher year on year. The South African Specialist Bank operated in an environment where there is still subdued business confidence and in that context has, has grown the loan book by about 4% significant grow, uh, significant portion of that coming from our private client lending books and our corporate books to the extent that we did experience loan growth over the period, there was also higher repayments resulting in a much lower contribution to overall growth levels in the period. Adjusted operating profit in that context grew by 45% to 7.1 billion Rand. Our group investments portfolio is valued at just over a billion pounds at this point in time, of which around about a third of that is being distributed uh, to shareholders. Now, coming back to a point that Farney raised earlier, I think if we look at the mix from a geographic perspective, um, the UK generates around about 55% of the revenue for the group and just under 45% of the operating profit for the group. South Africa contributing 56% uh, to the operating profit um, of the group. And from a business perspective, 72% of our revenue coming from the specialist bank. And you will see when we report annuity income that we report around about 76% annuity income uh, for the group. So there's a high component as well within the specialist bank um, that we see as recurring income, with 23% coming from our wealth businesses and around about a 5% contribution uh, from the group investments portfolio. Now, di- Just some detail in our wealth business in South Africa, funds under management at 365 billion rand, growing from 333 billion rand, and in other words, 9.5% increase since um, uh, March 2021. And again, I'm stressing that you had around about um, 6.9% growth in discretionary fund over the period, with net inflows of just over 12 billion rand uh, over the period. Uh, market volatility and some of the pullback that we saw in the, in, in the last quarter obviously dampening these, uh, these growth levels to, to what we would have seen in up to the third quarter of the year. Notwithstanding any of those pressures, operating profit growing by 30%, fundamentally underpinned by sustained inflows into our offshore uh, product range, which is a new, unique offering from a South African perspective, particularly taking the entire business Um, uh, that we have to offer to our international client base uh, in South Africa as well. We have gathered higher average annuity and discretionary fund, which effectively, again, provides a very strong underpin uh, to the business. And in this period, we had increased brokerage from increased trading activity uh, undertaken by clients. The operating margin at 33.2% compares very strongly against the market, and if not uh, a leading level in the market. Now, in that context, operating costs have increased by 17.9%, which is much higher than the average, uh, as I will indicate uh, from a group perspective. Some of that is variable, so it's, a, it's associated with the increased operating profit, but there remains sustained investment uh, with regard to investment specialists, wealth managers, and, and IT if I move over to the wealth business in in the UK here, as I've indicated, uh, from increasing by 6.6% to 44.4 billion, similar to South Africa, uh, impact of uh, the the quarter end markets and moving into the new quarter. Net organic growth of about uh, 2.9% with inflows of 1.2 billion pounds uh, over the period. Um, We achieved an operating margin for the UK domestic business of about 27%, and operating costs in in this business increased by 5.8% with continued investment in technology, obviously variable uh, remuneration associated with the increase in operating profit by 17.9% to 87.7 million pounds. But as we've seen across the group, continued sustained widening of the jaws. The South African Specialist Bank, um, I think we've seen strong deposit growth and we continue to focus on the diversification of our deposit base as well as the cost of that deposit base. And you will see when I get to net interest income that the operating margin, uh, the, the net interest margin improved from about 84 uh, basis, uh, 100 and, yeah, 184 basis points to about 207. So a significant improvement in the margin, and that comes from twofold. One is the growth in the book, and the other uh, is really the reduction in the cost of uh, deposits and sustained credit margins across our lending portfolios. And that brings me to a split of the earnings base, where you see that net interest income in the South African business grew by 13.2% and again, I'll stress, driven by reduced uh, funding costs and overall average uh, increase in loan books year on year. Net fees were supported by higher lending activity and higher turnover in the business as well as higher transactional volume uh, from our private client base, and I think we've grown that private client base by just over 7% uh, over the period. Training income uh, supported by increased client activity across the base, and that was a strong performance uh, over this period. Now the cost to income ratio improved to 51.1% with operating income increasing by 18.7%. Fixed costs were well managed with overall uh, increases well below inflation in the South African market, and we've seen that for a sustained period over three years, with fixed costs increasing by just over 4.2%, and operating costs in total increasing by 8.9%, but a strong widening, again, of uh, the jaws in that particular market. Overall, adjusted operating profit increasing by 45% to 7.1 billion rand. From the specialist bank uh, business in the UK, I think fundamental strong growth in the underlying uh, core loans and advances from 12.3 billion to 14.4 billion. And that is a significant component of the overall group's uh, core loans and advances of 29.9 billion uh, pounds. That growth of 17% uh, is uh, around about 18.5% if we adjust for the fact that we have dis- disposed of a component in the Australian portfolio a-, a year ago. And our private client lending is up around about 35.1%. That is fundamentally driven by the strategy that we introduced uh, to the market in February 19 and and focused on our high net worth uh, client base that we continue to build. Um, And it's an area of focus in terms of integration with our overall uh, wealth uh, business as well. Demand for corporate uh, credit lending was strong over the period uh, across several portfolios. And again, I'll unpack that for you a, a little later but uh, by growing by about 12% if I adjust uh, for Australia. Again, deposits effectively uh, being managed on a basis of achieving uh, better overall cost of funds uh, in the period. And again, when we get to unpack um, the uh, revenue lines, you can see that net interest income increased by 20.9% over the period. Ruth, I forget the the net net interest margin, but I think it's about 2.14, somewhere around there. uh, 2.16%. There's the immaterial cost related to what we previously reported as structured product book, and it's an area that we're not really focusing on in these results because it has been well managed. Uh, The the risk is significantly lower from where we have been, and whilst we've been in shopping markets, uh, the overall cost for this period has been relatively immaterial. Um, There have been lower net, net fees, and part of that is associated with the wind down of Australia as well as a reduction in equity market uh, activity of a high base in the prior year. If we look at the cost to income ratio significantly improving from 81.3% to 69.6% uh, over the period underpinned by strong growth in operating income and cost being managed uh, effectively relatively flat. Now in that context again you have had Uh, higher variable remuneration, so you see uh, continued effects of the restructure that we uh, initiated in the prior year, having a material impact in bringing in the cost-to-income ratio uh, for the underlying business. And adjusted operating profit increasing by 332% to just under 194 million pounds. Group investments, it's now a simple portfolio. Uh, When we refer to it, they are Effectively four lines, of which three are the most material, and that's our 25% interest in 91, Um, our investment in Investec Property Fund, which reported strong results yesterday, and our investment in IEP, which has where we have seen an improvement in our income yield to about 5.2% over the period. Uh, The overall return on equity on this portfolio was at about 9.8%, and as I've indicated the most material impact that you will uh, see over the next while is the reduction uh, in our holding in 91. Now, bringing the picture back together, um, and, and this, again, is a reference to uh, overall Investec, um, I think with uh, overall operating income at $1.99 billion, we keenly wait to get over that $2 billion mark. Um, and um, you can see again the contribution coming from net interest income which we've unpacked on both of our uh, specialist bank businesses. Net fees and and commissions really been underpinned by our wealth and our banking businesses with some lower contribution from uh, M&A activity. Um, Investment income really driven by the uh, underlying assets that I've identified and trading income with a reduction of the impact of the financial products underpinned by strong uh, activity across our trading activity, uh, across the businesses. Um, And that really uh, gives you a feel, uh, focusing on the fact that annuity income at around about 76.2% over the period is reasonably in line uh, with where we have been. Operating costs, I think I've given you a lot of detail on it. I think just a couple of snippets is that whilst our operating costs are up by 6%, fixed costs are up by 1.1% over the period. And within that context, I think our overall um, technology spending, including people, costs is about just over 230-odd million pounds, of which about half of that is really reinvestment um, into new technology. Uh, From a group perspective, and technology investment growing by about 4% technology spend growing by about 4%, so ahead of our underlying fixed cost uh, base. Uh, we did benefit from the fact that we did not have a repeat of some of the once of restructuring costs um, that we incurred in the prior year. But I think, again, when Farni um, uh, summarizes at the end, you will see that fixed costs significantly maintained, or if not lower than where we started uh, back in 2019. From an earnings driver perspective, I think a strong cost contribution across the, 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 the portfolio. And I know that sometimes we, we look at these in the singular geographies that we, we are in. But as, as a combined basis, again, the group's sustaining strong growth of just over 13.2% uh, in core loans to 29.9 billion and found growing by 9.2% to 63.8 billion uh, over this period. Now, if we look at the loan books, um, I'm going to go through this relatively quickly because there's a lot of detail in the booklets for you. But again, just to provide some color to the book, you will see in South Africa that we we had decent growth in our mortgage book, in our high net worth and specialized lending areas offset by lower um, uh, books in certain areas of our corporate lending uh, book, and some of that influenced by repayments uh, over the period. And from a UK perspective, yes, we did have strong growth in our mortgage book, but that is off a, a, a lower base and growing to about four, just, uh, just over $4.15 billion, uh, over this period. Again, lending collateralized by property, high net worth and specialized lending, as well as asset finance and corporate and acquisition uh, finance, uh, experiencing strong uh, long, uh, loan growth over this period. And the majority of this is underpinned by client acquisition and targeted client acquisition. From an ECL perspective, um, you saw us build our provisions particularly over March 20. The majority of those provisions that were raised were effectively an outlook from an outlook perspective, so driven by um, our, our models and driven um, by us raising overlays. And over this period, if I go across the the periods, we continue to experience low levels of specific uh, write-offs across the portfolios. So the asset quality uh, remaining relatively intact over the period. Now, you will see some migration uh, between the staging, uh, but moving towards a better asset quality than what we experienced at the end of uh, March 2021. So whilst you see very low charges over the period, some of those impairments that have been built up are effectively carried uh, on balance sheet for different risks than existed uh, in those particular uh, periods. Our credit loss ratio at about eight basis points. And, you know, I think, again, the guidance that we're providing, um, we have reduced our guidance from about 30 to 40 basis points to 25 to 35 basis points. And that's based on the history that we've built up uh, over a number of years across the two geographies. Um, Now, if I really unpack this into the uh, geographies, in South Africa, we experienced a credit loss ratio of uh, close to 0%. Um, There were higher recoveries, as we uh, experienced in the prior year as well. And we did release some of our overlays, reducing our overall Uh, Overlay from about 290 million to 219 million over this period Um, that, you know, again, limited default experience. And as we stand here right now, that experience remains uh, remains similar, but the outlook uh, points to the fact that we do anticipate uh, a level of normalization to our guided loan loss ratio of about 20 to 30 basis points uh, for this particular book. From a UK perspective, um, we did have one or two uh, specific impairments in the period. We did, Whilst the uh, overlays are actually higher than where they were at March 21, they are slightly lower than what uh, we did have at the midterm this year. Um, and overall, uh, lower experienced uh, impairments and lower propensity for new impairments Albeit that, with a loan book growth of around about 17%, there are new impairments that arise on day one uh, with those books in our in our models. We look at our balance sheet provisions. Uh, overall, I would say balance sheet provisions relatively comparable uh, year on year. Um, there are some recoveries that will reduce overall uh, uh, provisions, uh, but coverage ratios remain in relatively in line with where we've seen them and, again, comparable uh, from a market perspective, taking into consideration the higher level of collateralization uh, that exists in our books. We have seen some migration between stage uh, stage 3 and stage uh, 2 over the period. Slightly different experience in both geographies. Now, coming to ROE, um, I think Fani has touched on the essence of ROE from a South African perspective at 11.7% in the context of a 16% CET1 ratio. Um, and uh, from a UK perspective, a 12.9% return on tangible equity, uh, really representing the level of capital that's also invested in our wealth businesses. From a geographic split perspective, the overall capital base is pretty evenly uh, deployed between South Africa. Um, and, and the UK um, and um, you know, some of the nuances in these results is that you do have a higher tax rate in South Africa, a little lower tax rate uh, in, in the UK which we will, one would have to adjust for in, in uh, forward looking models um, and at the end of the day uh, the level of not just surplus capital but excess capital um, that sits in the South African uh, business so we are fairly confident uh, given the fact that the underlying businesses are operating um, well above or within uh, the cost of uh, capital, and maybe a final point that I would make on capital is when you do look in our detailed books, uh, we reflect the um, uh, the return on equity for our businesses on the basis that each of those businesses are operating with that surplus and excess capital across both geographies. So it's on a fully absorbed basis. Um, the CET1 ratio uh, from a PLC perspective has improved from 11.2% to 11.7%. I have to it- reiterate that that is on a standardized basis. So when you do compare to market, note that. And the second differential for us between us and the market is the fact that we are not a GSIB bank. So we do not have the levels of buffers that are required uh, for GSIB banks. And our underlying uh, regulatory minimum ratios are much lower than what you would see. Uh, for the high street banks. Um, Operating with a leverage ratio of 9.2% and that is now a standardized uh, industry calculation uh, that we reflect. From a limited perspective, our CT1 ratio is at 14% um, and overall capital ratio at 17.5%. And as we've indicated, under um, our full adoption of ARB, both of those ratios are about 2% higher Uh, than these. We do anticipate uh, moving the remaining portfolios within this financial year. Coming back to our targets that we've set for the group, I think this is purely a a scorecard. I'm not going to read through it, but reiterating the point that we remain committed to those underlying uh, targets. I think it's time now to uh, hand over to Fani to wrap up. Oh, before I get to you, Fanny, sorry. Oh, There's a <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about my last slide, which is the, uh, the, <laughs> the financial outlook. And maybe, maybe the headings say it all. We are very mindful of the uncertain environment uh, that is out there and very mindful uh, of the potential slowdowns in economies and maybe some other effects that will come through. Uh, but again, we emphasize that the business is well positioned. Uh, We emphasize that we do have strength to take uh, opportunities and to look at optionality around capital. And I think if we bring together, uh, you know, just a forward look, um, revenue outlook is underpinned by the fact that we have got rising interest rates, which is positive from um, an underlying earnings perspective, uh, book growth, as well as increasing activity levels. We we expect our cost-to-income ratios to come well below uh, our target of 63%, and our normalized guidance of impairments is a counter to some of those benefits um, that we've highlighted, and the fact that a distribution uh, which places some of 91 in your hands means that we take it out of the earnings um, that, that that we have. Um, and I think as you look at ROE, be conscious of the capital revel, uh, levels that we operate at. So yes, we do anticipate an improving um, uh, return on equity in the next financial year but really see ourselves getting into our targets in the FY24 year. Now Fani, definitely over to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, Nish, let me take it home. Um, Nishlin has obviously gone through a level of detail. It's taken twice the time that I took to open up, so I'm going to try uh, take it home much quicker. Um... As I said at the beginning, we've been on a particular strategic journey from a business that was uh, quite wide in terms of its coverage and we have uh, shrunk uh, for better profitability, better relevance and better scale in the geographies where uh, where we operate. So that journey has been interesting and uh, as I said earlier on, we have... Uh, um, after the demerger, measure now um, uh, we are distributing uh, further um, our holding um, in 91. Um, we've exited uh, Australia, Hong Kong, and a few other areas. So in that process, we have refined our risk appetite and granularized um, our loan books. So as we go forward, uh, we would expect uh, a much more lower-risk business, but with a level of client engagement that is higher of the base of the franchises that we have. Um, So the work to simplify uh, has come to uh, a good end uh, as as we go. And as part of it, our our businesses are focused quite sharply on serving uh, the clients that uh, we have chosen to serve because we do not have the bulk of uh, the bulk bracket businesses where we choose to compete, we really have to be exceptional. We uh, take on people that are entrepreneurial. We have a mindset of agility, uh, which obviously is helpful in an environment where uh, we are going into, and we've always been totally fascinated uh, by the idea of being client-centric. One of the planks as we go forward is that we will look to serve our clients much more holistically. As an example, the private bank served their clients with a high level of focus um, in terms of um, solutions, but also in terms of uh, service levels. But there was not, at the same time, a level of coordination between the private bank and the wealth business. So while those specializations will continue, we will look to integrate those much better for better effect for our clients and also uh, for better returns for the business. Equally operationally, we will look to invest more into our platforms to serve the business uh, holistically, increasing operating leverage and increasing uh, the experience of our clients. Nishlin spoke about our investment into technology. As we move forward, we expect to uh, our technology spend to be a lot more oriented towards the transformation of the business to support growth. So this is where the idea of being highly focused is really important to us. Of the original goals that we set, we still need to trim our investment portfolio uh, in South Africa, and we obviously have, as as Nichelin said, uh, to deal with the level of excess capital. The focus, as we move forward, is more on growing... Uh, our businesses. We talk of client acquisition uh, in the areas where we have chosen uh, to play. In in South Africa, for instance, there's a lot of work we're doing in the private client space, both at the top end of the market and at what we would call the bottom end of the market, which is still um, um, a high uh, level of client as opposed to a high street client. So lots of work there we are doing. We're doing a lot of work. In the mid-market space uh, in South Africa and uh, in the UK, similarly in the UK, we have uh, a, a quite a significant level of client acquisition. Three years ago, we said that by this time we will get to about six and a half thousand uh, of these uh, high-net-worth clients. We are now at about six nine uh, or so, uh, and we remain confident that we will reach our targets and that the cooperation and collaboration between bank and wealth will deepen and increase. Nichelin talked about some of the uh, referrals from the bank in this period, about 480 or so uh, million pounds uh, of AUM. Uh, We are very excited about about that opportunity. We also will look uh, to work much more closely between our private lines business in South Africa and our private lines business uh, in the UK, while said that uh, an emerging market like South Africa, loses both skills and capital, Uh, we obviously have to work with that environment. So our business is strategically positioned to support our clients as they either emigrate physically or financially. Um, So we we are well positioned at the top end of the market. So there are a number of these growth opportunities that we are focusing on. Hopefully in, in November we can talk a bit more about it. Now that the simplify and focus element of our strategy is largely in place, so growth becomes uh, the area that we look, we look at. Obviously, the outlook, as Nicholin laid out, is a bit more challenging, but our specialization and our client-centricity and our culture of entrepreneurship and agility does counteract uh, the bulk of uh, that negativity, of course we live in a neighborhood and we will be affected as such. Just taking stock, Nishlin, uh, I don't have my, I have to look a bit harder now. <laughs> I'm not as young as Nishlin. That's why I had my iPad earlier on. Um, so, over these uh, years, we've obviously said we will substantially resize um, our operating platform. As an example, if you look at... Uh, our cost of operation, in particular in Ruth's business, you will find that over the last four years or so, we've largely had uh, the the same level of uh, uh, cost base, uh, despite the fact that uh, we are growing our business quite substantially. Um, I mean, we've said, for instance, in this period, that our fixed costs are up only 1.1%. That discipline continues. Uh, As we go forward, in fact, between the bank in the UK and the bank in SA, we think there are certain benefits we can gain by doing certain things uh, together. So the drive for more efficiency uh, will continue. We had also said uh, at the time that we will look to refine um, our risk appetite. I've spoken a bit about it and you will see that uh, in the um, impairment profile. As, as we go forward. We also had committed at that time that we will not be issuing shares into the market diluting shareholders. You are beginning to see the weigh notes start to uh, reduce, weighted average number of outstanding shares start to reduce. Um, and as I said, there is a level of excess capital that we have to deal with and I'm not saying how we're going to do it, uh, but we have to do it. So you will see a number of these metrics continuing to improve. We generate, as I said, significant levels of capital, and you can see ordinary shareholders' equity increase over the period. Nicholin has spoken about the ROE and the capital level. So we are excited about where the business is positioned as we look forward. Nicholin, I'm going to take 30 minutes. I'm trying to run through. So I won't go through this slide, but it uh, very neatly re-emphasizes our strategic positioning in the two geographies and in the businesses that we have chosen uh, to pursue a level of scale would be um, uh, represented by this particular slide it's in the presentation pack i won't go through it again over the last 3 years or so we had said we will pursue growth and we'll talk a bit more about this uh, in our november results we had said we will significantly manage uh, our cost base we had said we will allocate our capital with uh, a level of discipline we 've made significant progress, but there is still more that we need to do there and As we move forward, uh, uh, Linden, who heads our technology and digitalization efforts, has a lot more work to do because as a as a specialized uh, bank, technology can help us uh, to uh, overcome some of the disadvantages that we have. For instance, with respect to deposit taking, because we don't have branches, uh, with respect to operations. As an example, one of the strategies that we are pursuing is that of partnering with fintech, as opposed to us uh, spending lots of money trying to develop certain of our platforms, we can go into uh, plug-and-play kind um, uh, arrangements. As an example, we have a A a, a strategic partnership with Manis in certain areas of our business. So this area is quite important for us. Connectivity refers to building of a client ecosystem and an operating platform uh, that uh, services our clients. So these disciplines will continue as we move forward. So finally, uh, in conclusion, Nishlin, I'm not trying to take as much time as you did. Um, We are a specialized business we have over 45 years of a very rich heritage in the two businesses that we have spoken about private banking as part of this specialist bank private banking corporate banking investment banking we have a number of specializations within that like uh, property uh, management for instance and we really where we operate uh, within wealth management again our specialists and have the scale and as i said there are opportunities between our two geographies there are opportunities between private banking and uh, and uh, wealth uh, with us uh, giving our clients a much more integrated private client offering we continue to be fundamentally uh, dedicated to our purpose of making a positive impact to our clients to our colleagues to the societies in which we operate, and to the environment. That remains core to us, and in everything we do, we we are guided by that North Star. Um, And in these tough times, as we go forward, we will support our clients uh, as they may get uh, impacted by the environment, and we've supported our clients during COVID, supported our colleagues during COVID, and of course, as we go into this environment where as an example as we exit COVID we have to work differently, we will continue to support our colleagues and support our culture as I said we have scale uh, in in the businesses we have chosen uh, to be in and we will continue to be selective as to who we serve, who we can be relevant to, who we can be competitive in servicing, we are not all things to all people very, very, very clearly. We have strong levels of capital, strong levels of liquidity. The asset quality is fantastic, and we have clearly identified ambitions for growth as we go uh, over the next little while. The environment and the outlook is cloudy, but we are confident in the quality of our clients, how strong they have emerged from the challenges of covid the strength of our culture, and the fundamental strength of our business. We hope to continue to deliver shareholder value like we have done over the the little while. Thank you very much. We are ready for questions. Thank you. I understand. Thank you very much. I understand. We'll take questions from here in the in, in the room, and then go to Johannesburg, then go to the chorus call line, and then uh, people that are on the uh, that are joining us online. So let's start here. Sometimes silence is good. Sometimes it is not. Going, um, going, going. Go okay, we'll come back uh, here. Let's go to Johannesburg. Have we got uh, our colleagues in Johannesburg? Any question from Johannesburg? My predecessor Stephen said to me once, if there's no question, take it and uh, move on, because uh, sometimes I continue to coax people into asking questions. Okay, no questions in Johannesburg. Any question on Chorus core Sorry.
1: Pani, I was just confirming there's no questions.
0: Oh thank Minister you. Berg? Thank you very much. Uh, any questions from the online um,
1: Yeah, there's just one question. Yeah. From Kanal Kalyan. And he says it is great to see significant improvement in sustainability disclosure. How does the group plan on furthering its contribution towards driving ESG forward in SA?
0: Look, we've been a, we've been a leader in uh, ESG in, in South Africa. Our policy, for instance, on, uh, on fossil fuels and on coal, is uh, uh, on, uh, on, uh, uh, on our website. Uh, we clearly have to go to scope 3. uh, Analysis of our overall impact and the impact of our clients, and we continue uh, to work on that. We've, uh, over the last 45 years, even before sustainability and ESG uh, was invoked, we've always said we are long term uh, in our outlook on our impact uh, on our clients and on society. That's why we have the phrase for 45 years we live in society. And not of it. So, in our lending, uh, we continue uh, to uh, deeply embed considerations uh, of uh, sustainability in our investing. We are doing so more and more, and uh, we continue to uh, subscribe to more and more stringent standards as we go. I must be quite clear, though, that uh, we are quite conscious of uh, the need for a just transition. As an example, in South Africa, while in general we will not support uh, uh, export coal. Coal that goes into Eskom that supplies 95% uh, of our electricity. Uh, that we continue to support in terms of uh, what we do with Eskom. Those who are exposed to South Africa know that on a daily basis, um, uh, you, not, on a, not on a daily basis, but on, on, on a number of days, probably about a third, Uh, of the year, uh, you will have some level of load shedding. So while we are highly committed to making sure that we support uh, the efforts to clean up, we also have to support the social side of uh, that country uh, in providing electricity uh, to, to the population. So yeah, something that we've done for quite a long time. Excited about it. Uh, Some will know that uh, I serve uh, on the Global Investors in Sustainable Development, an alliance uh, that uh, was put together by uh, the United Nations, the Secretary General, and we continue to advocate uh, for more sustainable lending and investing and uh, for uh, mobilizing capital uh, for sustainability. And we are excited about it uh, at Investec, excited about it at a personal level. And if you come from... uh, uh, a country like ours, you know what impact sustainability can make. And of course, even in a country as developed as the UK, uh, you do know what impact sustainability can make.
1: Fani, we have one more question. It's from Rajay from Excelsior Capital.
0: Nichelle, the- this is probably yours, but uh, let's <laughs> see.
1: Please, could you outline possible plans for the remaining 91 stake?
0: All right. (laughs) I think we said uh, in uh, 2019, 2020, as we moved towards um, distributing uh, what we held of 91, we had wanted to sell 10% of 91 at the time. And I see Ed Squires is here, uh, who uh, was advising us on on the D measure at the time. The markets were not supportive then. We decided not to, uh, to sell at those levels. So our strategic position on it was that uh, we would like to have capital optionality in the UK for a period. Uh, and then we will decide what we do with uh, uh, the remaining 10%. Um, as I said, we have returned about just under $1.7 billion or so of uh, 91, taking uh, the the price at March 16th, I think. So uh, I think we've done well by our shareholders. Uh, We will retain the optionality uh, on that stake, and if anything changes, we will let you know.
1: I think that's it, Barney. No more questions.
0: Um, Okay, we're back to London. Uh, Despite Stephen's advice to me, uh, I will offer an opportunity for... One last question. Well, uh, there's no, no question in the room. Thank you for your attendance. As you can see, um, we think the work that we have been doing has borne some fruit. We are excited about uh, our positioning in the market. We are fanatical about our clients and our ability to support them. And uh, as we move forward in this tough environment, we are grateful that our business is strong both in terms of capital, liquidity, asset quality, culture, despite the disruption that we've had from COVID, and we remain fundamentally hungry uh, for more progress and more growth. Thank you very much.